Christmas cousin. So this is Christmas. And what have you done? Another year over. And a new one just begun. And so this is Christmas. If you had told me 10 years ago that politics would be this polarizing in my personal life, I would have laughed at you. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode. You know, I think about politics way more than I should, uh, way more than I would like to, because it's constantly in my face and it is always in the forefront of what's happening, at least lately in the last, you know, several years. It's become, you know, more and more prevalent. People are talking about it. Everybody has an opinion about it. It's just more polarizing now than it ever has been. And I think that is because of Donald Trump. You know, he made it popular to be in the politics, whether you feel one way or another. And I heard somebody say last week, uh, not too long ago, somebody said that they viewed Donald Trump as the Michael Jordan of politics. And I waited for them to explain what they meant because I thought that was a bizarre way to characterize him, you know, comparing him to the greatest basketball player of all time. But he went on to say that if you look at the way Michael Jordan changed the way the game of basketball is played, he said Donald Trump has changed the way the game of politics is played. And by that logic, he's right. He, Donald Trump changed the way people view politics, the way people discuss politics, the way information is distributed, you know, to the general public. He changed all of that. You know, the interactions between the president and the media, all of that stuff was turned on its head when he became president. And so you have this stark line down the middle of this country that has really caused a lot of division. And I don't I don't think it's necessarily a good thing because so much has been lost in terms of honest dialogue, intellectual discourse, and just, you know, honesty in in conversation, you know, an openness to share your thoughts now as opposed to, you know, how you could share, you know, before the Trump era. There was a time in this country where what you thought politically, it was just side conversation. It was, wasn't really discussed. It wasn't, you know, people didn't judge you off of it. They just kind of, I don't think people really understood it that way, you know, as, as the way they do now. So then you could, you know, what, how you voted, you know, whether you are a Democrat or a Republican or a Libertarian or Independent or whatever, nobody really cared like that back then, you know, before, you know, pre-Trump you know, the political era of Donald Trump. And I think that that's a good thing and a bad thing. 
it's a good thing because, you know, before Trump, you could vote how you wanted to. You could think how you wanted to politically. And, you know, people would still. They would still be friends with you. They would still associate with you. But post Trump. Because he was such a. Polarizing figure. Everybody has chosen a side and based on how they feel about him. And if they dislike him, but you align with his ideology or his political beliefs, you know, then automatically you're the enemy. Like they dislike you as well. And and I've, I've said for a while now that there's a difference between Republicans, you know, conservatives and Trump supporters. You know, they're not necessarily the same. And it doesn't matter. People lump you into the Trump supporter. If you have conservative beliefs, if you vote Republican, if you report uh, support Republican candidates, you get lumped into being a Trump supporter. It's full stop. All roads lead to you being a Trump supporter. And I think that's the downside of the post-Trump era. Now is, you know, this caution when you have conversation with friends and family, you know, I wonder what they believe, you know, what, what are their political beliefs now? People care about it. And it causes people to draw a line in how they communicate with you, how they interact with you, you know, whether they, they may choose to disconnect from you. I mean, I've said on the podcast before, I've had people that disconnect from me friends that you know I'll say former friends who made the choice to not associate with me any longer and I'm totally fine with that I mean it's it's sad that it's come to that but I don't know how we get back to the pre-Trump era because this post-Trump era is the divisiveness is kind of getting old and the split between people and nobody wants to talk about it. And if you do have conversations about politics, it's a good chance that that conversation is going to end and somebody being upset. You know, it's a likely the likelihood of somebody being, you know, bothered by what you say or triggered by how you believe is high. There's a high likelihood that that's going to happen. And I, I don't I'm not I'm not with that. I'm I'm just not. And so. I look at, you know, the people around me. I was in a conversation with, you know, I have a, a group chat with, you know, some friends of mine that I grew up with. It's about eight or nine of us in this group chat. And, you know, we we talk politics very, you know, loosely. Uh, it does come up in the conversation from time to time. Uh, I do try to stay out of that conversation, although it's very hard for me to do that. But um, the reason I try to stay out of it is because, you know, I'm not really I'm kind of on an island in terms of, you know, my political beliefs. And so and, and I'm fine with that. It's, it's because I believe that everybody has a right to choose how they vote or what their political leanings are. That's what that's what America is about. Everybody having an opportunity to freely feel the way that they feel without any judgment from anybody else. So it's not my job 
to judge them for, you know, how they vote, the choices they make in the ballot box or in the voting booth. That's not my choice. And it's not my responsibility to monitor and police what other people think about what's happening in the country. And so we don't talk politics often. Uh, They joke and, you know, um, they joke about me being a Trump guy. And I'm fine with that as well because I do support Donald Trump. You know, I like the guy. And I'm going to be honest, as a president, I miss him. I miss Donald Trump, not just because of the direction he was steering this country in, but, you know, just the comedy, the entertainment factor that came with, you know, um, his press conferences. If you go back and look at some of Donald Trump's press conferences, he said some wild stuff that was just hilarious. And when I say wild, I don't mean that he wasn't saying anything that was false. He had a way of communicating with people that was, it was just funny. Like the way he would, the comments he would say, it was just like, man, I can't believe he just said that. And it was just hilarious, you know, some stuff. So I can't lie. I miss that. I miss, you know, Trump in these press conferences. Joe Biden doesn't do any press conferences. He doesn't talk to the media at all. Uh, and it's a reason for that. He, you know, you can catch him getting on Air Force One or getting off Air, Air Force One and a reporter might catch him with a question, you know, as he's boarding the plane or getting off the plane and he'll answer it but you know that's about it a lot of times when he does do a press conference he doesn't take questions not anymore in the beginning he did but they stopped him from taking questions because it was a disaster and you know I, I think that people need to feel comfortable again in expressing what their political views are, if they feel led to share them. You know, there's no obligation. Before Trump, there was no obligation to share your your political leanings or what you thought. But now there's like this underlying obligation where people are looking at you like with, you know, I wonder what, I wonder what they think. You know, what, what can you say? And you'll have people that'll test you. You know, I've had conversations, even with family members, I've had conversations where they'll throw something out that's like a diss on Trump or a diss on conservatives or, you know, a diss on Republicans or whatever. And I don't take the bait, you know, one, because I don't have the energy to engage, but two, because it's not worth it because a lot of people who, you know, those people that do that, though they're the same individuals whose mind can't be changed, no matter how much information you present to them. And I talked about this on a previous podcast and, and a lot of times it's no point in having a conversation with these people. So I think that if you can get past, you know, you know, just learning how to maneuver those conversations and, you know, just keep it moving. I think we can all get back to a place where there's no, obligation or there's no caution involved in engaging the people around you. I mean, now strangers, yeah, I can get it. You know, people you don't know because they're not familiar with you. But I think it's weird that people that you know or you're supposed to have associations with or friendships with and these things can't be discussed 
especially without somebody getting mad. You know, I just I don't like that because I'm big on, you know, communication, especially with the people that I, you know, have relationships with and friendships, people that I consider family. I would say my tribe. And um, if we can agree to disagree and still be amicable, I'm here for it because I'm not trying to change your mind. If we have a conversation, I'm not trying to change your mind. I'm just presenting you the information that I have. Now, if you happen to think about it, what I'm saying and take a different perspective and then that changes your mind, then that's something altogether different. But I don't go into these conversations trying to convince people that my way is the right way or my train of thought is the correct one. And I think a lot of times when you have people on the opposite side of that, they walk into those conversations because they can't believe you think the way that you do. And so it is their mission to change your mind or to help you see why you're wrong. And I don't think that that's right. You know, I think that if you could just present the facts or present your case or present, you know, your reasons of why you think the way you do or you feel the way you do, that should be enough, you know, to let let people make their own decisions or walk away from the exchange feeling like, you gave them something to think about. But people don't feel that way. It's it's wild how people are always like, you could tell the people, especially on social media, you could tell the people that are on defense, they're ready to go on offense and, you know, they're ready, att- ready to attack your opinion or, you know, say something crazy to get you triggered or get you, you know, emotional. It's because they're emotional. And when you're emotional, your judgment is clouded in terms of how you maneuver in conversations and interactions with people. And that's, it's clear. I've been in, I've been in those conversations. I've been in those rooms where I'm observing conversations where emotions take over on one particular person that's in the conversation. And it's, it's almost impossible to try to communicate with them once that, once that comes over them. And so, um, I wish that, you know, we could get back to how we felt and how we thought pre-Trump. I don't think we ever will, though, because I think the die is cast. And I think that, you know, where we are is is not going to change. And that that bothers me a lot uh, because I liked it when you could vote the way you wanted to. And, you know, people would say, oh, you voted that way. OK. And, and it was just kind of like. That was that. Now it's like they want to know why and how could you do this and what made you think, you know, that it was okay for you to, you know, whatever. People just kind of get hung up. And um, and so I know that in my in, in my group chat, you know, I said this, I know that Trump is not very popular, which which, again, like I said, I'm OK with Donald Trump is the type of person that people can either take him or leave him and the people that leave him. They feel very strongly about why they they don't they can't deal with him. And likewise, there are people who feel very strongly about why they, you know, why they why they like the guy. I like to be around the people who are even kill. You know, they can kind of. Yeah, I like the guy, you know, but they're not. They're not zealots. It's not idolatry, you know, um, He's not somebody that we view as a savior. 
he's just a politician that we liked. You know, a guy who was a a businessman turned TV showman turned politician. And for years, we've always liked the guy. Everybody liked Donald Trump before he became a politician. Everybody. Well, not everybody. Let me not make a blanket statement like that. The ma- the vast majority of people in this country, they, they liked Donald Trump or they didn't have a negative opinion about him the way they do now. And so to see people turn and flip, you know, because he got into politics and they got to see what he's like a little bit more. It's been very interesting to watch. Um, Very interesting. And so I think that it takes a lot of maturity to remember how that was when we had that time, you know, before Donald Trump was president, where you could agree to disagree with somebody and still be cool with them and still be friends with them. And that's why it always bothers me when I talk to people who are like in their 40s, um, who really get emotional and really get triggered like they don't know how it used to be. And I'm like, how how are you like this? You know, you, you're old enough to remember a time where we didn't interact this way. And that really confuses me when I see people that way that, you know, it just tells me that they were always like that. They were just waiting for an opportunity to be their political selves. You know, I don't I don't know how we go back. You know, I I think that if people can just remember how it used to be, I think we can, you know, kind of kind of gradually make our way back. And I feel like, you know, Donald Trump was so polarizing. I mean, whether he you know, he, he definitely is running again for president, whether he wins or not. You know, he's always going to go down and in history as the most polarizing president we've ever had, whether you loved him or hated him. He he just will. Unless there's somebody that comes along that's, you know, and I don't know who that would be, but, you know, I don't know. But years from now, I think we'll always remember the Trump era and it'll always be discussed as a part of, you know, the fabric of this nation, the history of this country. And I think that, you know, eventually, maybe gradually we'll get back to, you know, a place. But I don't I don't have a lot of hope for that right now. You know, the, the division in this country, even within the family, you know, you have families that family members. I have family members that I don't want to discuss politics with because. They just, you know, it's it's not it's not worth the discussion because they don't they don't see it that way. They don't you know, they don't agree. And. They take offense because they think you're trying to change their mind. And I just think that comes from, you know, it comes with being able to interact with people on a mature level, on an intellectual level, a rational, logical level. You know, there has to be some critical thinking sprinkled in. And sometimes that's hard, you know, when you get emotional especially when you feel strongly about, you know, certain topics and certain subjects, you know, emotions are hard to to put in check in in some instances. If you're not careful, there have even been times where I've been emotional. You know, I have to I see a Facebook post or Instagram post, you know, somebody posts something that I think is just dumb. And (laughs) 
I, I get ready to respond in a certain way and, and say something that's like, you know, this was just dumb. Like, why would you say this? And then I'm like, no, that's not the right response. You know, I have to kind of take a step back, zoom out and look at the entire picture from a, a, a larger view. And then once I settle myself, you know, and realize that there's a better way to communicate, because one of the things I never want to do is turn somebody off from wanting to communicate with me in terms of how I communicate. You know, that's that's never my intention. And so I try to just keep things even, you know, I, I work I work at that intentionally. And there's an intentionality that has to come from people who are willing to have these conversations and put themselves in a position to, you know, just have some dialogue. And so um, when we get back there, I hope we do. I, you know, I really do hope we get back to that. Because if if politics are going to be as polarizing as they are, if they're going to be as discussed as they are, then people shouldn't be afraid to talk about how they feel and be able to talk about it with confidence because, you know, without having to deal with backlash or, man, I shouldn't have said anything because, you know, I feel differently from other people and so on and so forth. And they don't agree with me and they shot me down and, you know, it became this whole, why could you, you know, that, that, I, I just don't think that there should be any of that in politics, in, in, the, in the discussion. And, and there is, there's too much emotion involved and it's very draining. It's very draining to have those discussions like that. So will we get back there again? I guess that's the question. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. I hope so. I mean, I just do because, you know, although politics shape basically everything we do in this country, I mean, literally everything we do is, you know, politics touches everything we do all the policies and you know rules and laws that you have to follow in the city that you live in the state that you live in they all came from a political decision that somebody that was voted in thought that this law might be good whether it's you know the need for a driver's license property taxes city taxes income tax you know needing a license to go fishing a license or permit to carry a gun. All of that stuff came from some elected official who thought that this was a good idea. How much money we spend on the roads that need to be fixed. All of that stuff comes from politics. And we don't see it that way because we look at all these emotional issues, you know, that are in the forefront of culture in this country, abortion, gay rights, trans rights, you know, Second Amendment rights, censorship. All of those things are, they take the forefront because they're the emotional stuff that people can attach their feelings to. But I mean, hey, if you buy your house and you pay your mortgage off and the house is yours outright, but you still have to pay property taxes. So the question is, do you ever really own the house? Do you ever really own the property if you have to continue to pay taxes on it? That comes from a political decision that some government official thought this is what we need to do. We need to make this a policy, make this a law. And I just think that we need to kind of 
consider a lot of other things than just the emotional stuff. So I hope we can get back to it. I I don't know if we will, but hey, we'll see. So anyway, I'm going to stop here. That's enough for today. Um, Just remember wherever you are, whatever you're doing, that common sense is uncommon. And I will catch you on the next episode.